You know, it's been said that in each and every one of us, there is a book. In each and every one of us, there is a book. There is something that you know. There is something that you have experienced that someone else wants to know about. In each and every one of us, there's a book. And so this morning, as we begin our time, what I want to do with you is to start thinking about at least one of your books. And as we start to think, I'm going to invite you to make a list. And it's a, it's a top ten list. It's a top ten list of what's wrong in your world. Top ten list of what's wrong in your world. A, you know, top ten of your complaints. A top ten of your gripes. A top ten of what's wrong in your world could be the big global world, you know, like the global warming. It might be about terrorism. It might be you know, something going on in our country. It might be about something that's going on in your workplace. It might be something about what's going on in, this, in the school. It might be about something that's going on in your home. It might be about something that's going on in your heart. I want to invite you to think about your top ten <coughs> list, right? And as you think about that, those are going to be your chapter headings, you know, and you're going to expound on that. But I do have a title for your book. And the title is this, Life is Lousy When. That sounds like a good title, doesn't it? And, you know, I ran that by my wife. She says, I don't think that will be a good seller. I don't think that will be a bestseller. I, you know, and I don't think so either. But, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a, to a bestseller because what you find is everybody already has their own personal copy of that book. Everybody already has their own top ten. You know, they really don't want to know about my top ten. They really don't want to know about your top ten because they already got their own top ten. In fact, there's a book that already made it into the Bible with someone's top ten. That's the book that we read from this morning. That's the book called Lamentations. To lament or lamentations, that's a fancy Bible way of saying that life is lousy. And if you were to read through the five chapters of Lamentations, you would go from beginning to end, and you would see how bad life really is for the writer of Lamentations. In fact, you know, Cheryl just read just a couple of verses that kind of just kind of get at the very beginning of what we read that kind of give you just a real little sample about it. You know, the writer says, he says, my afflictions and my homelessness are like wormwood and gall. And I didn't know what wormwood was or gall was, but, but wormwood is a, is a shrub, and they, they um, would brew it with water, and what it does is it makes water taste really bitter. And gall is a poison. And so the writer says, no, nah, my life is like bitterness and poison. And then the next word he says is my soul thinks about it continually. So the bitterness and poison just turn, you know, kind, of, kind of percolating it all the time. He's like, that's what life is like. And he says, God's glory is gone from me. You know? And, and there's about five chapters worth of that. I'm going to tell you. You read Lamentations, you'll say, oh, my gosh. You know? But, uh, you know, what's, and I'm not sure Lamentations would have even made it into the Bible if it wasn't for the little section that we read. Because in the middle of all those five chapters, the writer pauses and he says this. He says, but one thing I call to mind. In the middle of all that, one thing I call to mind, and therefore, 
tell you, all of a sudden I want to read the book because I want to know about the one thing. You know, what is the one thing that I need to call to mind? And what is the one thing I need to know that gives me hope? You know, when life is lousy, what's, what's the one thing I need to know? Here's what he says. It's about the steadfast love of the Lord. He says the steadfast love Lord never ceases. God's mercies, they never come to an end. When life is lousy, he says, love lasts. When life is lousy, love lasts. The adjective is steadfast. Steadfast to me is like steady and lasting. It is steadfast. He says it never ceases. It's kind of a never let go, never give up, never give in kind of love. I tell you, if you have been loved by somebody who never gives up, never gives in, never let go, count yourself blessed. You know, not many people in life can love like that. In fact, very few people in life can love like that. Maybe your mama, maybe your grandma, I don't know, you know, maybe so, maybe no. Very few people can love like that. But what the writer says is God always loves like that. God always loves me like that. God always loves you like that. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's mercies never come. And so what he does is he says, every day what I want to do is I want to remind myself of that. I want to kind of make it a point that when I get up in the morning to kind of say, hey, this is the one thing I need to call to mind. Because there's lots of other things going on in the lives. There's one thing I need to call to mind. So he says, those mercies, you know what? They are new every morning. And so what he invites us to do is say, hey, new morning, new mercies. It's a new morning. There are new mercies mercies, and he makes it a point to remember that. I'm going to invite you to make it a point to remember that. Can you say that with me? New morning, new mercies. Let's say it together. New morning, new mercies. New morning, new mercies. New morning, new mercies. You know, when, and so what I invite you to do is, is put a trigger in your day when you get up. You know what a trigger is? It's like something that you do every day. And whenever you do this every day, when you do it, you say, new morning, new mercies. I, you know, I can't wake up without a cup of coffee. And so, you know, I'm thinking, man, when I grab that cup of coffee and I smell that first whiff of uh, caffeine, I, you know, smell caffeine, uh, but it kind of wakes me up, you know. New morning, new mercies. Or maybe what you do is you kind of, I have a dog, and maybe some of you have a dog, and every morning... My dog and I, we have business to attend to, uh, you know, and when we attend to our business, when we go outside, well, a dog can attend to business, and I can say when I go out, new morning, new mercies, because I don't want to do that every day. Maybe when you pick up your cell phone, you know, you're punching the passcode, just use it as a trigger, new morning, new mercies, stick your key in the ignition, new morning, new mercies, whatever you do every day, put a trigger in there, new morning, new mercies. Because it's important. One thing you need to call to mind. One thing I need to call to mind. There are new mercies. And, and what is a mercy? A mercy is a moment in your life. A mercy is a moment in your life when 
God when you know that God is at work. That's a mercy. A moment in your life when you know that God is at work. And, you know, what I find is so often mercies aren't big things. Mercies are the really little things. I mean, mean, it may be the sunrise. You look at that, you know, you say, man, that's beautiful. You know, I know know God's there. That's that's a mercy. Maybe in the smile of your child. You know, you look at that, you say, man, that's beautiful. I know God is there. Maybe in the song of a bird. Maybe in the beauty of a flower. It may be in the handshake uh, of someone that that is a friend of yours in, in the smile. It's a mercy. It may be in a phone call. It may be in peace you find in a prayer. It may be joy you find in a song. It may be health that you find from a doctor. It may be any ways that God draws close and, and you begin to get this sense that what's happening out there is touching something in here. That moment when you get the sense that God's at work writer is saying that every morning, every morning, there are new mercies. And he's not saying it as just a wish, and he's not saying it as just a want, and he's not saying it just to make it up. He says the reason that you cannot, and you and I can know that there are new mercies every day is because, he says, is because of God's faithfulness. Not because of my faithfulness, not because of your faithfulness. He says, Mercies are new every morning. So great is God's faithfulness. Our last hymn we're going to sing is Great is Thy Faithfulness. And I want to tell you, I am so glad that so great is thy faithfulness rather than so great is my faithfulness. Because if you're like me, my faithfulness kind of goes this, you know. And if I had to say, well, there's new mercies every morning based on my faithfulness, man, we'd be uh, kind of in and out of the mercies. But the song goes, Great is Thy Faithfulness. O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions. They fail not as thou hast been. Thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness. So we're invited to claim the morning mercies on the basis of God's faithfulness to us. And so when somebody asks you what's on your plate, somebody says to you, hey, what's on your plate? You can say, like the writer of Lamentation says, says, the Lord's my portion. The Lord's my portion. You know what a portion is? A portion is what feeds you. You know? There's a lot of stuff on your plate and my plate that does not feed me. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff on your plate and my plate that empties me. There's a lot of stuff on your plate and my plate that drains me. Drains you. And we know that. But you know what? There's something on your plate that's your portion. And that's my portion feed you, that will satisfy you, that will fill you. And he says, the Lord is my portion. God's love is my portion. He says, go there. Go and be with God. Go and be with God. And the way that you get that sense that there are new mercies in this day, that God is working in some moments in this day. He says, let that fill you up. Let that fill you up in ways that you trust God to be there in those moments for you. You trust God that you'll go with God in those moments, he says. And as we do that, that's what's called waiting on the Lord. And that's what he says in the scripture. He says, God is good to those who wait upon the Lord. And waiting is not kind of sitting back and saying, hey, God, just lay it on me. Waiting is an active exercise. 
Waiting is being active in terms of how we would engage in an openness to God. A Benedictine monk called Brother David Stindelhouse has put it beautifully in a, a TED Talk that he gave. And as he shared in the TED Talk, he says, you know, waiting on God, the strategy there is like crossing the street. Y'all remember how your mama taught us how to cross the street? You come to the corner. What do you do when you come to the corner? You stop. You got to stop. All right. I mean, don't run out in the street. You stop. When you stop, you look, you listen, and then you go. That's the strategy, right? Come to the corner, stop, look, listen, go. He says, here's what happens when you wait on God. You put in times in your day when you stop. Because there's times in all, I mean, there's so often, how many times during the day you say, okay, I've got to stop now. And you know, hardly ever. I mean, if you're like me, I'm like always on go. He says, you know, if you're going to kind of get in touch with the mercies that are there in the moment, there's some times you just got to stop. And when we stop, what we do is we look. We look around. There's just kind of take an assessment about kind of what's going on in our life and, you know, in, in today. Just kind of, you know, and then listen. Listen to what's happening in here. You know, look. And then you listen. And then what you do is you go. You go and you live into the mercies. You lean into the mercies. You go and as you live, what you do is you kind of are there in ways that you say, you know, this is where I think Jesus is leading me into these moments. Jesus is leading me in in ways that, that as I live my life, I want to live my life faithfully. I want to live my life morally. I want to live my life ethically. I want to live my life with forgiveness. I want to live my life with service. I want to live my life in ways that, that I'm giving of myself. You know, you, you take those moments where you say, what I'm going to do is I'm going to live into that leading of Jesus, you know, as best I can, as best you can. You know, so we're taking that stop. We're saying these are the mercies, and we're living into the moments. That tells you here's what happens when you and I do that. It knocks the lousy what begins to happen. It begins to knock the lousy out of life because we're living by a different list. We're living by a different list. The list now goes like this. Love is lasting. New mourning, new mercies. Great is my faithfulness. Great is God's faithfulness. Not my faithfulness. Great is God's faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. I wait Lord, we start living by a new list. When you and I start living by a new list, all of a sudden it changes the title of the book. It's no longer lamentations. It's affirmations. You're not living by lamentations. You're living by affirmations. You and I start living by a different top ten. We live by a different top ten. That starts to make all Because you know what they have? All they have is their top ten. <laughs> and all they have is their limitations. And they do not know the one thing. They do not know the one thing to call to mind. And say, so you and I are the people that come alongside them and 
cheer a story that helps them know the one thing they call to mind. And let me just close with a beautiful example of how I've seen that in action because I tell you one of the gifts to me as a pastor is to be with people of faith and to see how you and see how people who I've had the privilege to spend life with across the years, how people live into their faith. And I want to share with you just one story about a dear friend of mine who's now passed away. His name is John D. And John D. lived in East Dallas, a little home in East Dallas. And John D., uh, a number of years back, he lost a hand in an occupational accident. And when he lost that hand, what happened is he descended into a depression that lasted several years. And if you were to talk to John D. about what happened during that depression, he would sum it up life was lousy. It was wormwood, and it was gall. It was bitter, and it was poison. And he not only experienced that and played that over and over in his life, but he shared it with the people around him. You know, I mean, life was lousy. And then one day, John D. woke up. Literally woke up spiritually woke up. One day, John D. woke up and he said, you know what? This is a new morning. This is a new morning. And there are new mercies. And so he decided to get with God and he decided to take on a challenge. And here's the challenge he decided to take on. He decided to become a carver, a whittler, kind of a one-handed whittler. You know, you kind of think, well, how do you whittle with one hand? I don't know how you whittle with one hand. You know, I can't. You know, how, how do you hold a knife in the wood? And how do you how do you how do you make that happen? He decided to take on that challenge, and he became a whittler. He does great work, and one of his kind of signature pieces is a buffalo. And I have one of those buffalo in my office because when I come to times in my life where I think, you know what, <laughs> this is impossible, and kind of life is just you know in a bad place. I pick up that buffalo, and I think, you know what? <laughs> Nothing's impossible with God. You know, it's just not. And I think about John D. But that's not the end of the story. Here's how the story moves forward from there. John D. used to come to vacation Bible school every year, year in and year out. And a kid, we'd give every kid in vacation Bible school a bar of soap and a tongue depressor, one of those wooden tongue depressors. So they wouldn't hurt themselves. And he'd teach them how to carve a buffalo because that was his signature. And he wanted them to, to know how to. So they would hold this open and they would carve the buffalo. And as they carved the buffalo, John D. would tell them his story. And it was child approved. You know, it was, it was kind of, he kind of mellowed it out a little bit. So, you know, so kids could kind of, kind of uh, share in the story. And so they would carve their buffalo. And then John D. would give them a buffalo. And they would be together. And you know what? They loved him, and he loved them. And in that story, you know what you find out? Love lasts. Love lasts. See, this one thing I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love.
Gracious God, we give you thanks that as we gather in this day, we gather in your faithfulness to us. We gather in your mercies, your moving and your working in the moments of our lives. We gather in a word that calls us to remember that every morning, that you work new and beautifully every morning. So great is your faithfulness. So, Lord, let us wait upon you. You are our portion. And let us have you lead us into the life that you have for us. A life where love is what lasts. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.